Welcome to the Sober by Design podcast, where we explore the many pathways to recovery and a better life through conversations with a wide array of guests. Whether you're sober curious, in recovery, or simply looking to improve your mental health and well-being, this podcast will have something for you. Each week, we sit down with inspiring guests from all walks of life who share their personal stories of struggle and triumph, offering valuable insights and practical advice on how to design a life worth living. From addiction and mental health to spirituality and creativity, we cover a wide range of topics that are relevant to anyone seeking to live a more fulfilling and authentic life. So join us on this journey of discovery, growth, and transformation, and start designing a new life. All right, everybody, welcome to the Sober by Design podcast. Today is a unique episode in that I recorded this on a live stream with two members of an organization I came to find um, through a recovery walk that I did in early August. Today we'll be talking with uh, Alicia Martinez and Tom Williams from Came to Believe Recovery, uh, two really great people, really interesting conversation, um, and a great organization, Came to Believe Recovery um, hosts retreats around the country. Um, the one that I found out about was here in New Jersey and is coming up in October. They they host these very intensive weekend retreats where they go over the 12 steps in, um, you know, in depth in a weekend. And the idea is that you can get most of the knowledge from these retreats and go home with a really good base to start your recovery or bolster your recovery, wherever you long your path, um, these retreats can help. I've even heard some people go to these retreats who who don't have issues with drinking, but you know can find really good life tools. I mean, the 12 steps themselves are just really good, sort of a good basis for, for living, right? If you can follow them, I think you could put together a really strong life for yourself. I mean, there's just some great things, rigorous honesty, the, you know, the check-ins, the helping people. Um, there's some really interesting ideas in there for anybody um, in any stage of their life. So, you know, what we did is we got together um, for one live stream, and we're going to do a couple of these, um, probably one on my show and then maybe another one on, on their live stream. And we talked about the past, present, and future of recovery. Um, you know, the past being really where did the 12 steps start? Um, and this is, they really feel, um, the Came to Believe folks really feel that their program follows the, the 12 steps as the founders intended, right? So they're, they're rooted very much in the true past of recovery. And we talk about the present, which I think is, which is interesting because the present probably is a very long time. Um, you're probably talking from that the seventies till, till now. Um, and, but even now we've seen a shift in how recovery is working, right? So we're sort of living through this future stage and, and we kind of touch on all these points in the episode, so I don't want to get too much into it, but I think the future still has a long way to go. And that's what I want to get to in more of our talks with Tom and Alicia 
Um, but a really great conversation. I just wanted to intro this one because you're going to just kind of be thrown into it. It's a little bit different. Um, you do get a little bit more out of me in this one. It is, is a little bit more of an interview style, but it is very much a conversation between the three of us. And I really enjoyed my time. So give a listen. Um, if you can, check out their website, came to believe recovery.org. Um, they're also on Instagram. I believe they're on Facebook as well. I am not a Facebook guy, but they do have an Instagram page. So go check that out, Came to Believe Recovery. And without further ado, here's the episode. Well, welcome everybody. Hi. September 12th, uh, Tuesday, 1 o'clock, Eastern, 10 o'clock, 10 a.m., Pacific, and it is now six o'clock in the UK if you're watching us. And welcome to Recovery Live. Came to Believe Recovery's live stream every week where we talk everything addiction and recovery. I want to welcome my co host, Alicia. How are you out there in the California? What kind of state is it again? Sunshine State? No, that's Florida. Oh, well, it is sunshine here. Right. Yeah, it's nice. It was colder this morning, it was in the high 50s, but now it's 60s and it should be 80s later. So that's what you're looking forward to when you come out tomorrow. We hike 50s in the morning and then it'll warm up to mid 80s probably in Nevada City. We figured that we balance the country with the show with somebody from the West Coast and somebody from the East Coast to, well, maybe have somebody in the Midwest one of these days, right? We usually do once in a while. Mm -hmm. So what's so exciting? You're right, Alicia. Tomorrow I fly out to Nevada City and Alicia's going to pick me up at the airport and Dale Barker's coming and his wife, Stephanie. And some others in the team's coming together for our September retreat in Nevada City at Camp Del Oro. We're so excited. Uh, we just got an update from Cass. And I think she said there's 56 right now signed up. But we have another 10 in the offing coming. Could be 66. And really, she just said, if everybody that said they were coming is coming, we could hit 70, which would mean we'd have a full house. We're just so excited to have a bunch of people come up and be able to hear this message. And maybe they, too can experience the freedom of the founders and they may eventually call themselves recovered right yeah so what are we doing this weekend alicia and i are teaching some steps i'm doing some different stuff i'm going to teach four and five and 11 this time i don't usually teach 11 and alicia what that's usually my step yeah that's usually but yeah, I'm teaching eight, nine, ten, and those are the last three that I have not taught. So mm. once I teach those, then I'll be ready to teach whatever you want me to teach because I'll have the experience at least behind me. Yep. Well, you'll be doing it. Um, after this weekend, guys, then we're going to be at the San Gennaro Festival in New York City. We've got a table, an awareness table. We're going to serve some mocktails, I think. Now, if Lisa's listening, she just heard that, I think. <laughs> like, um, mocktails? How are we into that? Um, we, I think that was Cass's idea that we should serve mocktails. Um, but it's really something. Over a million people go to the San Gennaro Festival in New York City. It's between Canal Street and Houston Street from the 14th to the 24th of September. So, we got permission to be at Old St. Pat's in the courtyard at 32 Prince Street, which Alicia and I were at when we did a 
uh, meet and greet there several months ago before we were at St. Anthony's. And we're just going to be out there giving out bookmarks and talking about what we do and, and raising awareness in New York City and hopefully trying to build our footprint uh, as we want to bring this message. It's just one of the tools for anyone interested in overcoming addiction. Maybe this would work for you. And if it does, it could happen quickly and send you off on a life of freedom. So we're going to be there. And then soon after, we'll be in New Jersey at Schoolies Mountain, one of the oldest retreats in our whole system, Alicia, it is Schoolies Mountain. When I came into the program, there were only four retreats anywhere in the world. And one of them was Schoolies Mountain. So it's been going for uh, going on 40 years now. Wow. So uh, a lot of history uh, in the Schoolies Mountain retreat here in New Jersey. So we're hard at work recruiting for that. Um, then after that, soon after, there's our Cupertino commuter retreat, which is up by San Jose. If you guys in California were there, then just a few weeks after that, we're going to be down in Leesburg, Florida. Tim Lewick, he's going to be down there. He's on uh, How Are You Tim today. And then after that, we're going to be in Malibu. So busy fall for King to Believe. We're going to be all over the place. And Alicia, you're going to be at most of them, and I'm I'm going to be at most of them too. But I am going to miss I'm going to miss the Cupertino one. Yeah. No, I'm not, I'm only at Nevada City and Malibu. Actually, I'm not at the other ones. Oh, that's right. You're not coming to New Jersey. New Jersey's easy because that's where I live. That's an easy one. Um, so we're really excited. The fall's going to be something, and then of course we'll have our January virtual retreat, which has uh, become a kind of a thing. And we have the it's kind of an international. And uh, last year we had 57 people from around the country and the world on, and we'll see what we get this year. And then we'll be off in the next year uh, with retreats all around. Uh, so we hope to be able to come to a place in your neck of the woods. Um, so we have a guest on today that we met, actually Cass met and Lisa met at a walk that we did in, we didn't do it, we were just at the walk in a recovery walk up in Sussex County a few weeks ago. Um, and Alicia and I had the pleasure of meeting Corey uh, last week and speak with him. And Corey is, uh, runs a podcast called Sober by Design, amongst other things that he does. And we wanted to bring Corey on today and let's talk some addiction and recovery. And, and um, I wanna welcome Corey H to the show. I just used your H, Corey. Oh, yeah, whatever. I mean, it doesn't matter. You can use the whole name. <laughs> I'm not anonymous. I yeah. always say Tom Williams because I figure, uh, you know, one of those things where everybody knew I was a drunk when I was a drunk. Now we get sober. We don't want anybody to know who we are. Right. No, yeah, it's fine. It's Corey Hennings. Um, you don't need to use the H. Uh, happy to be here today, Tom and Alicia. Thanks for having me. Mm -hmm. So Corey and I have the fancy microphone setup. Alicia, yeah, it's a part of the podcast world, I guess. I felt like it was a necessary tool when I started my podcast to get the mic. It definitely <laughs> sounds really good. Good. Yeah. <laughs> Mine doesn't sound good, Alicia. No, it does with the microphone. And yeah. There's actually one in our house. Maybe Tom, when you and Dale come out, maybe we can like set it up for me. Maybe. Right. So, uh, oh, I can set it up for you. So we're going to be talking, right? Recovery past, present and future. Part one is what we're on here today. Sure. So 
Uh, I don't know who's who, but we're certainly recovery past as we bring the 12 step program of the founders uh, and the way they were doing it back in the 1930s and 40s. Uh, things they're doing today. And Corey has much more experience and he's knee deep or waist deep in um, recovery modalities today that are of the present. And he may have some really great insights into what the future of addiction recovery looks like um, around the country and especially in the New Jersey area, because that's where you are. Corey's near me in New Jersey. Like we're real neighbors compared to Alicia, who's you know three thousand miles away. Yeah, we're about a half hour away from each other, probably just down the road. Yeah, yeah so super close. So we'll be having coffee one of these days. Yeah, uh, soon. So Corey, for for our listeners, why don't you give them that thirty thousand foot is is what got you to sitting here with us? Number one, but what got you on this sober by design? What was your inspiration? What 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 are you um, hoping to achieve by um, having your podcast? Yeah. Um, well, uh, you know, I found myself uh, in recovery or starting my recovery June journey back in 2012. Um, after drinking for quite a while, I started drinking when I was 18, and you know, kind of continued through till I was 35. Um, and when I first came into recovery in 2012, I did enter in through AA. Um, that is how I found my recovery. And I, and I continued on with the AA program for about a year and a half, I would say somewhere in that time frame. And as you know, I got, I got more time away from drinking. Um, I just thought that there might be something else out there, some other way to, you know, learn more about recovery, Mm -hmm. not just the AA way. And, um, you know, I I looked online because I kind of came up, uh, you know, we first had the internet in my house in 1996. My uncle actually had started an internet service provider. So we were an early adopter. So I was always online and message boards. And I figured there had to be something out there for recovery on online. And um, I quickly found the recovery space on podcasts and also Instagram. Um, Mm. So, you know, uh, there were a couple podcasts early on that I, that really resonated with me um, as well as Instagram accounts, uh, you know, and all of them still exist, right? You can go back in time and listen to the podcast, even if they're no longer recording. So Mm. um, home podcast, which was put on by two women was really, one that I took to early on. Um, and then they had a lot of people on their podcast that either had an Instagram presence or their own podcast. And for me, it just was such a w- easy and sort of, uh, I don't know, attainable way to get that information, right? I could listen to a podcast on my way to work and on my way home, right? I was digesting recovery material both ways in and out. Um, I could you know, if I was having a hard time at home, I could just flip open my Instagram and there was my, uh, my friends who were all in recovery. I could send a message. They could be messaging me. I could read posts. So it just was a very accessible way, um, early on. And, you know, now I think, you know, that, and that was back probably 2013, 2014. So now, you know, you're passing, you know, in 2023, so much is online. You just mentioned you're having an online 
retreat, right? It's like mm -hmm. all of a sudden it's like everywhere is online. And I think that that's awesome. So for me, that's how I got into the space uh, of the online world. And then, um, you know, I also still do keep a foot in, you know, in real life, as they say, uh, you know, and I, and I do some local recovery coaching here in Sussex County. That's how I met your organization. Um, mm -hmm. and the way I, I got to my podcast was I just felt like there was an opportunity to touch more people than just the one-on-one -on -one coaching, right? I can help one person through coaching one-on-one, -on -one, but if I can get maybe 20 ears on my podcast every week, maybe I'm helping, you know, five of those people that week. And it just felt like an easy way to get more of help out to the community in, in, a, in, a, in a quicker way. And that, that's kind of what I thought, you know, it helped me. So I'm trying to pass it back. How did you get into recovery coaching? And then like, what is that? Okay. Yeah. So, um, I was obviously in recovery for a little while. Uh, I'm just thinking six years to, I don't know. I was probably in for about six years and, um, I, there's a local organization in my county, um, the Center for Prevention. Uh, they handle, you know, services for people who are, you know, addicted or looking for some sort of recovery or in recovery. And, um, you know, it's an array of services, but there's a couple programs that they run. And one is um, a volunteer program called Clear. It, the coaches that go through that are helping people who maybe go to a local law enforcement agency, you know, some of the police departments up in our county and will say that they want help, right? They, they want to get off drugs. They want help. They're there to let the police know. The police then connected uh, our agency up with those people looking for recovery support. I knew about that program because it was active in my community. Um, when I got involved, um, my mom had just passed away and I was feeling a little unsettled in everything and I just knew I needed to do a little bit more at that point in time so I went and started to volunteer at the center um, got my recovery certification you know through training we did uh, C car training which is eh, it's a good question if I can remember that analogy there's or acronym there's a lot of acronyms in my brain but so I went through the C card training, um, which, you know, certified recovery coach, um, and then had to do some, some more work with the program before I actually became a, a registered, uh, peer recovery specialist in New Jersey. Mm. So, you know, I have supervision and, um, I work through the organization and I am, uh, helping people one-on-one -on -one for about eight weeks and trying to help them find their their path in recovery right these people are coming mm -hmm. to us in a moment of crisis i'm helping mm -hmm. them in that early stage you know maybe connecting them to an aa or an organization like yours or a smart meeting or refuge recovery or noble steps or maybe just you know sitting home and reading for a little bit if that's all they can do you know trying to meet them where they're at get them on a path and and then hopefully at least they have a some somewhat of a start in recovery. Most of the people that I end up working with are at a stage that either their, you know, their health is very low. We're not getting people who are, um, you know, we're getting people at their worst moment, 
typically. Um, mm. And, you know, they're either involved with law enforcement, they're, they're just getting rushed mm. to the ED or, or something to that effect. So um, I got involved personally because I felt it was, you know, just a way to bolster my service work. And I really needed something more at that moment in my life. And, and it's become something that I think is invaluable to me, um, really gets me out in the community. I'm constantly involved with the recovery center in different ways. Um, my coaching has kind of slowed down over time, but, um, you know, it's just been, it's been a real pleasure to, to be able to do. So it's interesting that you say, and I was thinking this as you were talking, and when we talked the other day, essentially you, you meet, I mean, we meet some in crisis in our retreats as well. Like this weekend, you know, three or four or five will be very early in recovery when they come in, you know, maybe a day or two. And we've even had people show up drunk still at our, at our, but the, but I would say the majority have a little bit of time. Mm -hmm. They are not in crisis at the moment. But would you say 80 to 90% of everybody you're in contact with when you do the coaching is in crisis when you first meet them? Yeah. I mean, I would say 90%. Uh, very few. Some are maybe the day after, right? Like if right. somebody maybe gets into some sort of accident and then they, you know, as part of what their legal team advises them to find some help, they might reach out. So maybe I get them the next day, but very soon after, right? It's either immediate crisis um, those people have just overdosed or they were brought to the hospital because they, you know, drank so much that they fell or there was some sort of incident. Um, so yeah, we're normally meeting those people in crisis and at a very bad moment. So, you know, one, it's getting them to understand what we do, you know, what the services we're providing Two, are they interested? And then, and right, then three, right. hoping that they can hold on for eight weeks, you know, um, you know, even in the best of circumstances, you know, keeping somebody in the recovery sphere is, is you know, there's some work to be done there, right? We all know that. Mm -hmm. um, so it, it's a little bit tricky, um, but it's, it's what I can do at this time in, in my community. You know, that's, that's where I best feel like in my local community, I can help, right? So I have my local community help there. And then I have this larger, uh, thing that I'm doing with my podcast. And then I do also write on Instagram, but that that's kind of been less and less. Do you require in the eight weeks that they get through the 12 steps? Is it 12 step based or it's like you help them with whatever they want or their probation officer wants them to do more? It's whatever exactly. we decide between me and that recovery. Okay. So there's no prescription. It's, you know, we talk about things normally the way I go about it. And, you know, I, I kind of put the same thing that I do with when I coach kids sports, right? Like I try to get to know the kid and understand what makes them tick, maybe what their strengths are, what their weaknesses are. And then we work on that throughout the season when I'm coaching sports, I do the same thing with my recoveries, right? So we'll have a real, probably not great com first conversation. And then the second one, I come back and I say, okay, well, here's what we're going to talk about. And, and I try to learn what they, you know, who they are as a person, you know, in a, in a short amount of time, it's like, you know, trying to pull out, you know, a little bit of what made them use their, their substance, um, how long, you know, what's their living situation, what, what do they have accessible to them? 
Um, can they get back and forth to meetings even? Do they have a home? Is the home helpful to recovery? Um, you know, and then are have they tried AA? Have they tried smart meetings? It, it's just, you know, everybody's so unique and we don't, we're, we don't try to prescribe one methodology. Um, and in some cases, it's, it's just straight harm reduction too, right? If somebody's in such a bad spot that, I, and we can just maybe get them to reduce a little bit over that, those first eight weeks, and then they're just maybe entering like a, a stronger contemplation state, I'm okay with that. So it's just, you know, it really is individual to individual. It's really a frontline thing, right, Alicia, that he's doing. Um, we think we're frontline, and, and in many ways we are. We want to meet the least, the last, and all. So we want to be out there meeting them when they're ready. But they do come, I think, particularly, specifically a little bit ready. You know, if they come to the retreat, they know what they're coming for. They're coming because they have a addiction problem. They have some sort of willingness to do something. Um, as opposed to many that you go to see, it sounds like don't. Or may not when your your initial visit is, they may or may not want anything to do with being recovered, or right. and certainly they're not in a good uh, place. And you're doing harm to get them something to eat, get them something to drink, try to get them straight enough that they can think straight. Right, that harm reduction element just keep them alive long enough so they can decide to do something about it or not. Yeah, I mean, and listen, I think we get a, a real array of people. So, you know, who I get versus some of my peers get could be completely different, right. you know, and, and I've had a wide array. So, you know, it it's just, you know, I think that we are a different type of service. I mean, I know recovery coaches who are working with people, you know, a year into their recovery and they're trying right. to bolster it. Right. And that's a much different type of service than, sure. than what I'm doing right now as a recovery coach. Um, you know, sometimes I think, would that be more in line with what I want to see out of my, you know, where, <laughs> what I'm doing in this space, but that's just not where, where I'm at right now. Right. So, so Corey, oh. we're, you know, we've been moving that way too, a little your way a little by partnering with city relief in New York city. And we have a table at the homeless outreaches now of which those people there are may or may not have any interest in, in coming. We're really our frontline, just being informational to say, you know, and if they want it also by going into shelters where some people are just there and we're presenting programs just because they're in the shelter doesn't mean that they want to get better. Right. Right. So, um, I can see us partnering down the road and, and tapping you for all the experience and knowledge that you have um, with that element of it that we're, you know, starting to get experienced with, but we, we haven't done as much of it, but we want to, we want to be out there as front because it, like you're saying, it's, we're one of the tools that we just want people to know exist. Right. And if they feel like this is the way to go, we want, just want everybody like you to know about it, to say, Hey, this might work for you. How does this sound? Or that might work for you. Because one of the things we hear, Corey, at our retreats all the time is why didn't anybody tell us about this? So, and we know we're not for everybody, but we're, we could be for a lot of people and we just want to be a choice. So it's uh, really important that we have people like you and others in the on here to talk about this openly and talk about all these different ways. And we hope all of our, our listeners are, um, um, being educated too at all the different things that are going on when it comes to recovery. 
you a question, Alicia? I thought I'd cut you off, kind of. Sorry. No, I was. I kind of forgot, but it was something <laughs> in the realm of I wish that our retreats, like, because we have them for a weekend, Corey, and then they're gone, and mm-hmm. I just like I want to like have them come home with me for eight mm-hmm. weeks, you know, and we can't, and it's their responsibility, and it's that dynamic of we tell them get a sponsor, get a sponsor, get a sponsor, but they're people and they're addicts. And it, that's like a, this, I feel like, is there something maybe we could do to, but I don't know what that would be. Like, I, I mean, how you're not done when you leave us on Sunday, you're not done. Right. <laughs> I mean, I think, you know, the, the the topic of the past present future is an interesting one right because the past tom right. to your point is like where did this start this started way back you know a, a long you know a long time ago and then we've kind of taken those old models and and you know presently we have aa in the rooms and you know there are other types of uh, groups popping up right and so smart is something that i recommend to a lot of my people because they can grasp onto it because it's very like analytical and you're kind of in control of your recovery and it's it's just something that a lot of people can grasp onto a lot easier um people who have been like resistance to aa it's like to them it's very opposite so they're like oh this is something i got and then there's like noble steps or refuge recovery which is like a little bit spiritual and different and but those meetings are hard to find um but to your point alicia like there's online ones where people do go to retreats and then they come back and there's an online you know, community based around it. And I think that that's sort of where that future is, right? So like, we're in this weird present moment where all these things kind of exist. And like, how do you tie them together is is the next step, right? So like, how do you go to a, a retreat at Schoolies Mountain, get all the info, mm-hmm. meet these 30 people, have these great connections, and then take those connections back with you and, and build mm-hmm. that community, right? And like, that's the future. And that's kind of what, and again, it kind of exists. Like on Instagram, I have friends who are in recovery in Connecticut, Canada, Texas, Hawaii, right? Like, and and I know that I can check on them. They can check on me. And, you know, I know some of those people put together like, and I don't get that deep, but like Telegram groups or, you know, WhatsApp mm. or whatever, and they call each other. I don't do that, but I think that there's a world where that becomes like the next logical step of of you know maybe a continued support maybe um just for anybody that doesn't know um tell us what smart is Corey. what is smart it's an acronym what it stands for yeah again i'm bad at acronyms tom so don't put me on the acronym test cass is looking it up right now but um so (laughs) what i mean smart comes with a full so they we have meeting or they have meetings i don't really go to the smart meetings um i know locally Mm -hmm. here in sussex county uh there's like two a week um you know there's a whole workbook structure behind the smart program and it's a little Mm -hmm. bit more again, I think analytical and you're kind of controlling your recovery, right? There's tools. It's it's sort of like there's kind of feedback. And I think for some people who maybe didn't um, understand maybe the spiritual aspect of an AA, again, having the tools in this workbook and it's, it's kind of a tangible kind of recovery 
process. And I think some people really latch on to that. And I think there's other ones like that popping up. As far as I know online, there's a couple other spaces that have that kind of, you know, workbook driven, you know, here's a tool, let's see how it tracks. And, um, you know, I, I know I use similar tools in when I'm working with folks. Um, nothing as intense as like a full workbook or smart, but I, you know, I think that again, it's just a different modality. I don't know that it's for everybody. Um, if you can get to a smart meeting, give it a shot. If you can get to a refuge recovery meeting, give it a shot. Noble steps, mm-hmm. right? Any of these, uh, these other meetings, um, we do 12 step yoga up here. There's a yoga class where people go and there's like a, quick kind of meeting at the front end but then yoga and there's um what's the crossfit one alicia the phoenix Phoenix, the phoenix yeah yeah i mean yeah yeah. so and then there's but there's also a lot of crossfit gyms across the country that'll offer like free classes for people in recovery so like i know there's one in detroit and there's one in wisconsin wisconsin maybe yeah So, you know, I think if you look around, there's just so many more options right now um, that you could find your space if you wanted to. And 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 how awesome, I mean, when you were mentioning, um, you know, the ability to create community and to create follow-up is so much greater today with the social media, with the internet, where they can leave a retreat. Well, let's say they left a retreat or they left meetings in the 1930s. They had nothing but personal contact. They had to go to a meeting physically to do it. And also the, the communication of it, the, the, the spreading of the awareness was, was a fraction of, of what it is today. Um, and so it does make our job a little bit easier. We, it's less manpower uh, dependent if like you, Corey, you run a podcast and 20 or 30 people are listening, they don't have to be in the same place. They could be anywhere right in the world. We do virtual retreats. We do virtual meetings and people can come and we just need someone. You just got to be at your house. So there's a great advantage, I think, today for a lot of people in recovery and all of these things that have access. Grab onto something, guys, if you're in our audience, you're listening to Corey, there's more things than just what we do. If this just isn't your thing, if it is your thing, we want you to know how to get to it and come to it. If not, there are so many other options for you to find your way. The bottom line is we want everyone to find their way to seek recovery because there is recovery. Hmm. Um, you don't have to spend the rest of your life being uh, managed by drugs or alcohol. You just don't. Yeah, I you know, and I think the more that people are willing to share and, and Tom, it steps back to what you were talking about at the beginning when you introed me and, you know, Corey H and, you know, and yeah. it, it was sort of this, you know, we were all in the shadows and I think we talked right, about this right. on Friday a little bit, like, you know, my mom, when she was in recovery, it was very like hush hush. Right. Like we right, all, right. you know, I knew full well that she drank, I saw it. Right. But when she got, when she, you know, started her program, it was very sort of, hidden and i think it's just interesting that even from that was 96 so yeah 96 95 96 from that point on you know uh you've seen such a change right there's people now out there sharing their story and they don't care if you know their name and i think that that just sort of brings it to the forefront um and you'll 
you know, people who maybe are having a hard time can sort of, you know, latch on to somebody in their community that's sharing their story of of recovery, right? Like, because it's like, you know, in the rooms, they say, find somebody with what you want, right? But right. you had to be in the room. You had to be in that 12-step right, room, right. right? But now if I'm on Instagram or if I'm just walking around downtown and I know that, you know, Donna is in recovery because she tells everybody and Donna seems to be living a good life, somebody might, that might resonate with somebody. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's a big change too. And I don't know if it's, you know, the proliferation of social media or just sort of this changing attitude in general about mental health and recovery and, you know, people are just more open. Um, but I do see a shift in how people think about recovery. You know, it doesn't seem as hidden as it, as it once was. I don't know if you all see that, but to me, it seems that way. I definitely see uh, it's not nearly as hidden and it's not quite the stigma it used to be. There's still a bad stigma around addiction. And uh, I don't know what you've seen, Corey, but when we work, get into the homeless and we work with you, one of the biggest things are these myths that still exist around every homeless person is a drug addict or an alcoholic, and they're not. If you are a drug addict and alcoholic, you will be a homeless person, right? Mm-hmm. And stigmas that it's a lifestyle choice and that we're just losers and just get your life together. There's still some of that out there that hurts people. But I think because of the awareness of it being a disease, this disease designation that came out some decades ago, um, there's more... Uh, it's easier for someone to say they're in recovery and not have it cost them, you know, in society, mm-hmm. the way it may have 20, 30, 40 years ago. And back, definitely back in the 30s and 40s, I think, you know, if you said you were an alcoholic, or they might not hire you at a job or somebody. Today, you're a recovered alcoholic. They couldn't, you know, it would, there's protected status anyway. Mm. Um, but there's still I, some, yeah. that, no, I think there, I know there's one right. in my head, but I won't say it out loud. There's somebody that's in our organization that doesn't want their job to know. So he does not tell them. And he, I don't know if he even comes on recovery live because he doesn't want it out there. Hmm. There's still some of that with some people, but that might just be a personal thing for him. But I mean, I think that's why we're doing what we're doing to, to help reduce it. Every podcast that you do, every live broadcast that we do, Corey and Alicia, every retreat we do, everything that we do, partnering with all these uh, are helping to break down the stigmas, the myths, and being open because somebody's got to realize that if there's high hidden in the shadows because they're afraid everybody's going to know and they're going to think something other than them, they've got to meet us. Like you said, Corey, they got to meet the Donna who looks good, who keeps saying she's recovered, doesn't seem to bother her. Maybe I should talk to her. Right. Right. Come on your podcast and you're talking, we're talking like normal people and they see that you have a regular life and a job on top of this, right? Mm-hmm. And the rest of us are moving on with our lives. It's really important that we do these things. Yeah. I, you know, I know that there's even workshops now on, you know, how to tell your story, the power of your story. There's, right. there's a lot of different things out there for people in our sphere mm-hmm. to really sort of hone their message. Um, I have not gone to one, so maybe I should, so I could hone my message a little bit better. But, you know, I think you know, in my organization, I know some people are very protective of still of their, 
you know, recovery status. Um, you know, and I'm aware of that I don't, I don't hide it. I, you know, maybe early on, I was a little bit worried, but as time's gone on, you know, you know, I'm confident enough in my recovery and in my personal and professional life that I don't think it's going to damage me. Um, and if it did, so be it, you know, it's, right. <laughs> that's kind of how I feel about it now. Right. Like it's like, yeah. it, it's more important than I share this and all of the things that I've gone through. Right. So like I share this, I share, um, I'll share that I go to therapy. I share that me and my wife went to couples therapy. I share that my mom died by suicide. I share all of it because I think that, you know, it, one story could resonate with somebody. Right. So, you know, I know the suicide ones resonated with people and I've had people tell mm. me as such. And, um, you know, I don't, if I can help somebody not feel a certain amount of pain, I think that that's really, um, well, one, it sounds very codependent now that I'm saying it, right? Like I don't want anybody to feel pain, but I also <laughs> think it's important that if we can do anything to help like a family heal, and not experience that really bad pain that comes from maybe somebody, you know, getting in a car wreck because they drank too much and dying, right? Or somebody not going and seeking mental help and then taking their own life. Like, if we can avoid that type of pain, I think that there's a lot of healing that comes into the world. So that's another reason I do this. And with addiction, it's so isolating, right? So we, I isolate as an addict and I think I'm the only one and I have the worst stuff. And that's it. And then once we meet other people, there's so many times that they have the same thing that happened. Oh, me too. Me too. I did this. And then we feel that connection. And then that kind of lifts us up and gives us hope because even normies have tragedies like that. And they, we just see them think, well, they look great. They must be just happy all the time. And Every single person has something, right. not many things, the little T traumas and the big T traumas. And if we're not connected and communicating with people, whether in recovery space or not, we will just keep that distance between people and continue to feel isolated. So yeah. open sharing and being vulnerable just links you up with other people and then they want to share and be closer to you and they trust you. I trust people that are honest and being vulnerable. And so we, we try to do that at the retreats too, is be vulnerable in, in our sharing. I mean, it's not like a drunk log, but we do put out little stories so they know that we relate and they can relate with us. We're not just preaching and we know, we know a lot of the same traumas that they have had. Yeah. You know, I think one of the, things with us too and I, I wish we could have gotten more into this talking to some of some of the the trauma and things that that we know today science has told us and just experience in medicine uh that trauma when we were younger small t and big tree t are are big uh pieces of um of, of addiction right but um one of the things i think that we have gotten good at or we're going to get and even get better at is that you know it may have been back in the 30s and 40s Corey and alicia where they would tell you to go through the steps and if he doesn't work that's it and this is all you need you know you just need god you just need to do your steps and nothing else and where it kind of stopped there 
And today, uh, even though the literature read, and if you spoke to the guys that wrote the book, they would have said, no, we, we, we would never be against you seeking additional help. But we're very proactive today about saying to someone as they come out of their fog through taking the steps, there's mental illness, there's things that need to be addressed that are beyond um, just the simple use of the steps. And steps can always be helpful in your life in our world. But some people need more and they need to go do it. And we recommend it mm -hmm. these days. We are very much so telling people, go, you know, we don't tell them specifically, but we say, if you can't get anything, we, we in no way say that you shouldn't go seek any kind of other help that you can. Many, many people that go through our retreats end up going to therapy, Corey. They go to seek medicine. They go on drug. They go, they get cured from whatever it is that is, is, um, part of what was had them in their brokenness and had them in their addiction. Yeah. I mean, therapy was huge for me. Mm. Um, you know, I had said, just said, like, I went to couples therapy with my wife. You know, that was, I'll say, the best and the hardest thing I've ever done. Mm. Um, well, maybe parenting is, is harder. <laughs> but, um, you know, th those sessions were tough. And then what came out of that was individual therapy. And then, you know, I would try to sort of talk my way out of all the issues I was having in life in those therapy sessions. And it always kind of circled back to alcohol, but I would always <laughs> kind of push that aside, right? And it was something else. You know, to, to Alicia's point, I was super special, right? Like I was different than everybody. Don't worry. You know, I'm, I'm the outlier. I'm on the far tail of, of, of people with problems. And, you know, every week, week in and week out, it always kind of, again, circle back to alcohol. And I think it was in my face enough that when um, a certain event happened in my life, I really couldn't avoid going to fix the alcohol problem, right? But without therapy, I don't know that I would have gotten there. Um, and then I was... I was in a good position because I was I was going to AA and then going to therapy on top of that, right? So then I was ready to start addressing like the underlying trauma and and why I'm actually drinking. Mm. And I continue to do that till this day. I don't go as often as I used to. I've been able to back off a little bit, um, try different modalities of therapy, um, you know, just straight talk therapy, EFT, EMDR. Um, mm. I even did like hypnosis which was kind of fun. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and that's, you know, I say that I'm sitting here and I understand that I'm very privileged to be able to do all those things, right? Not everybody can just pick and choose what type of therapy mm -hmm. they want to do. Um, but if you can get some type of mental health, I think it's health support. It's a huge, it's a huge foundation to recovery for a lot of people, you know? You know, and for me and for many of the people that go through the steps were how I found out that I had even some small T trauma or some P, not really PTSD, I wouldn't say I didn't have that, but I had, you know, I was programmed by my parents in the past from some things and had some, it would be small T mm -hmm. trauma, but it, it, um, it helped me get to where I could recognize, wait, there's something going on here, you know, that I need to fix and just the simple process didn't work and I had to do some other work. And then I went back on a maintenance thing. So uh, as well as the steps don't say not to do therapy, they, they, they can point right back after you do therapy to be a real supportive tool for the rest of your lives. So um, all these things are just great. 
I think um, I would love, I know that Cass will have this in. If you're willing, Corey, we'd love to have you come back. Yeah. And let's continue because I'd love to get into um, more on the, the trauma parts of things and have a discussion about that and talk about even in more detail some of the things that you're doing sure. so that, uh, and we'd love to get better connected with you too so yeah. that you knew how to recommend us and maybe even come and do some of this stuff with you if we can. Yeah. I, you know, I recommend, uh, recommend all sorts of, um, you know, things to my pe people. So, I, you know, I think the Schoolies Mountain one is great for me here in Jersey. And then as you go around the, the country, you know, I obviously have people that I know elsewhere. So. All right. Perfect. Yeah. Um, well, it was great having you on today. Yeah. Um, uh, I'm going to reach out to you when I get back from California and we'll go grab lunch or get some coffee in the area. Sounds good. And, and get a face-to-face. -face. Alicia, we'll be seeing you tomorrow nice. there in Nevada City. So uh, we're off, guys. Again, reach out. We came to believerecovery.org. Uh, you can find out um, how to get to um, some of the resources and how to get to Corey's podcast. You can find our retreats. You can call us um for meetings and everything that came to believe has to offer and we will see you guys next week on the 19th right here at 10 a.m pacific 1 p.m eastern and 6 p.m in the uk here on recovery live have a great rest of your week everybody thank you bye bye bye, -bye. Corey.